You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win. I'm here with Rachel Donner, co-host of the Locked On Flyers podcast and the co-host of this podcast alongside me for the next week. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, we're switching tracks a little bit. First, we'll get to Rachel's opinion on the end of the Stanley Cup final as we close out our analysis on the season. We'll also discuss some of the more recent news, such as Pierre Maguire's return to an NHL front office. Then, we'll deep dive into the Flyers, as Philly looks to be one of the more active teams this offseason. Is Seth Jones set to be a Flyer? What's Jake Voracek's status heading to the expansion draft? All that and more coming today. So Rachel, before we start off today's show, how are you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you so much for having me on this week. I am... (laughs) you know, Andrew's shoes are, are big ones to fill, but I will do my best. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, Andrew always, you know, he pulls he pulls more than a share of weight here, I think, on this podcast. Uh, but he is on vacation this week. I'm pretty sure he is camping with his family. I've seen some pictures, some, you know, Twitter video of him roasting marshmallows by a fire. Uh, so I hope he is having a good time this week. Um, and I think he couldn't have picked a better week to take this vacation because, the Stanley Cup final is over. I was very afraid that we were going to get to this point and Rachel, it was going to be you and I having to talk about the end of the Stanley Cup final and breaking it down and all that. But thankfully, we don't have to since we talked about it already. But we're going to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup final because I want to get your opinions on it. But first off, um, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better because I've known you for a little while. Um, we've actually met in person in real life uh, way back. Uh, however, I don't know how many years ago oh, it was, yeesh. but we met in... Um, yeah, we met in uh, New York City when I went to go see Hamilton. Um, and you actually met my family, too, because they were there with me. So it was uh, we met in person, but we've known each other on Twitter for some time. Uh, and it's funny because uh, I obviously joined the Locked On family much later than you. But I knew that once I got this you know, opportunity, I was like, I- I'm going to do it because I know a lot of people in here. And Rachel's one of them. And you just I've been a big uh, fan of yours. And we've been like, I guess, uh, Twitter friends and stuff like that. So uh, how, like. How's it been? How you doing, really? Yeah, I know. Sometimes I joke that we could do a Locked On Broadway Musicals podcast <laughs> between the two of yeah. us as well. Yeah. But... Yeah, this is true. You were seeing The Great Comet back then, too. Oh, yeah. Because you were seeing it... Yeah, because my, my family was there, too, because I had gotten tickets to see Hamilton, and um, they obviously couldn't come with me because that was, at, you know, the height of the show's peak. Uh, so my parents went to go see that, and you were there in the same theater as them at the time, but, which was really funny. Yeah. Oh, Great Comet. R.I.P. One of the greats, for sure. Yeah. I do miss... Man, I miss live theater a lot. I really do. I, th- I think I've talked about it on the show before at like one of the end when we do like our pop culture segments, which I'm excited to get to talk to you to you about that because we also have a mutual interest in common that we'll discuss later in the show. But yeah, it is. I do miss theater, but it's been really great to get to know you over the years. And I'm glad to finally return like to have you return the favor because I've guested on Locked on Flyers a handful of times over the years now. So Yes, our uh, most frequent guest on the show. So <laughs> it, it is nice to now get to come on your show. Yeah, I'm glad we can, you know, return the favor. And I'm glad, you know, we're in the Locked On family to be able to do that. So before we move on to the Flyers, because that's kind of your expertise, but you are also a general hockey fan. Um, I wanted to lead off with, since there's not much hockey news happening because we're still waiting for, you know, the protected list for the expansion draft. We'll get to that later, but um, that we're kind of in a little bit of a lull. I wanted to get your thoughts on like wrapping up the Stanley cup final. What, what are your thoughts on how the lightning, like the lightning's dynasty as it were? Yeah, it's a little frustrating. I got to (laughs) say just because I don't find the lightning to be just a an enjoyable team to watch they are just sort of a machine like presence to me and so while they are very good and it's very impressive and i think you know the thing about them that i appreciate the most is that 
they have such a good ability to adjust and whatever a team throws at them, they can figure out a way to counter it. And I, I think that they prove that in this playoff season, especially. And, you know, you, you got to tip a hat to them because mm-hmm. it has been such an impressive run. And, you know, you can put that the salary cap stuff aside because everybody's playing on, you know, on the same field when it comes to the CBA and the cap rules. And if you can figure out a way to make it work for you, then that's just what it is that, you know, that's my take on that whole situation. But, you know, I, I think that now that it's been a few days since <laughs> everything has settled down with the lightning, I do have a much greater appreciation for them than I did, because I think I emotionally got attached to the Canadians run mm-hmm. in the playoffs and how improbable it was to some degree, but also how they managed to take advantage of superior goaltending to make a run and ha- and how teams that just have the best of what their players can do peak at the right time. I think that's what kind of defined the Canadiens run, whereas the Lightning were just a machine that was put together to win. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that the lightning are very machine like because I find them very and you don't find them very fun to watch because of that. I've always found them incredibly fun to watch because there's something fun to me about watching a well-oiled machine just work at its pinnacle. And and you're right. They are very like not to say scripted, but they're they just they they know what they're doing and they do it well and they do it methodically and they do it like they're just they're very good at what they do, obviously, because they won back to back Stanley Cup. So it's interesting for me to get that perspective from somebody because I've always really enjoyed the lightning style of play. I mean, I've talked about it here on this podcast before how I've I've just thought they're masterful at what they do. I mean, top to bottom, they're an incredible team. Uh, so just hearing you say that is a really interesting change in perspective. But moving on to the the Canadians, I, on the other hand, have been multiple times on this podcast gone back and forth on them because uh, I predicted them at the beginning of the season to do really well. And then when they got into the season, they didn't do really well. Uh, and then they made some moves at the trade deadline that I thought were head scratchers. And Andrew and I kind of like lambasted them for their uh, for their moves and decisions. And then going into the playoffs, you know, not playing like Cole Caulfield and scratching Kakanyemi and stuff like that. Like all that, I was like, okay. A normal team would be doomed if they did this, but the Canadians still persevered. And then by the time they got to the cup final, I was happy for them and excited that they were there because I love a good underdog story. And it was just really cool to see them there. And like, we we get these teams sometimes that just kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, and I know a lot of people equated them to what the 2010 Flyers when they, um, when they ran to the Stanley Cup final and, you know, lost against Chicago. Uh, so it's... It, uh, you seem to reflect a lot of what people are thinking about, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, because uh, I know that I guess my my opinion of them isn't, well, it's not abnormal, but like, I know a lot of people were kind of sick of them by the end. But it's really cool that we've both come together to really appreciate what the Canadians have done, because you're right, like, this was a really fun run. And it is kind of sad, because... They're going to go back into the division, the same division as the Lightning next year. And who knows if they're going to make the playoffs next year at this point. Yeah, that's a, a really good point about the divisions going back to their normal state for this upcoming season and what that means for the Canadians moving forward. And yeah, I just, you know, for me personally, I usually root for the underdog in the Stanley Cup final. Um, especially because the Flyers tend to not make it that far. <laughs> so, you know, you, <laughs> yep. used to having to pick another team to bandwagon at some point. And with the Canadians, I think, you know, the story of Carey Price is very compelling and wanting him to win a Stanley Cup. And I, I think them finally embracing those young players that you talked about and giving them more of a role than they did earlier in the season I think that that just made them a really fun team to watch because they were less predictable. Mm-hmm. That's true. It, and you're right. Carey Price, I mean, I did. I came around to it on the podcast a couple weeks ago that Carey Price was a big reason why if the Canadians were going to win, it would have been, for me, I wanted to see Carey Price get, the, get that ring and get the, you know, finally hoist the Stanley Cup because dude's an incredible player. He's, it, it, it crushed me a little bit to see the lightning, like, who by all rights kind of deserve to win because they were the best team all like 
not the best team all season, but they were up there all season. Um, and they're just so good. And we've talked about it before, but it did crush me a little bit to see, you know, Carrie Price be sad because I mean, then what, like, who is it? Uh, was it Shea Weber that was also like really distraught too? Like, I mean, it just, it sucks because like, we don't know if they're going to get back and it's going to be such a hard road to get back because the East is going to be incredible powerhouse next year in terms of like the conference and they're gonna have to fight for a wild card spot and i mean early predictions now i don't know if they're gonna make it they're just they're in the same division as tampa they've got florida and stuff like that there's just there's so many good teams and it's gonna be really hard for them and this probably would have been their like one shot at it but we've seen this before i mean the stars went to the stanley cup final last year and didn't make the playoffs this year it happens it's just and I came around to them being a really likable team. And then now I'm just kind of a little bit crushed that it's that this might be it for them. Yeah, although I think that there could be a situation here where because they did make this run and some of their younger players got highlighted, that there could be some free agents that would be more interested in signing with Montreal than they would have been had they not made this run. And so they could have an opportunity to build on what they've done this year in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise. That's true. But you've heard it here first. Jack Eichel is going to Montreal. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't wouldn't that be fun? But you're right. That is like that is a... That is a possibility that all they have to do is get like a couple like big free agents and we're going to talk about it because we're going to we're going to talk more about the Flyers aspect of it all. But this offseason is going to be it seems like it anyway. I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like this offseason is going to be big. Like we've got incredible names. I mean, what Vladimir Tarasenko's name dropped is like be like he wants out of uh, St. Louis during the last game of the Stanley Cup final. That was like that was incredible. I was not expecting that at all. So there are a ton of names out there that Montreal could pick up. I mean, I don't know their cap situation offhand, but you're right in that it does only take like a couple pieces. And if they see that, you know, they think that their window could be now, they they might you know hit the go button and try for it. I guess the next thing to talk about though is. As I was writing this document, we were talking, I was talking about how there really wasn't much in terms of like major NHL news because the expansion draft is still a little bit away and it's kind of like the lull before the storm type of thing. But we got on Monday morning as I woke up. Pierre Maguire has been hired as the senior vice president of player development in Ottawa. He makes his way back to the NHL front office now that uh, the NBC deal has expired and ESPN will be taking over the reins for the broadcasting alongside TNT. Uh, so, Rachel, do you have any thoughts on, you know, Pierre Maguire <laughs> heading back to the NHL? Because I could not have predicted it being with Ottawa. Uh, I thought for sure it could have been somebody. Well, I don't know if it would have been Pittsburgh because they seem to have their front office situation uh, pretty well, pretty well thought out. But do you have any thoughts on this, Rachel? I mean, it was crazy, like 6 a.m. on a Monday morning and we get this <laughs> bomb drop in NHL news. But yeah, it, it had been a little weird that Pierre hadn't been mentioned amongst the ESPN broadcast team nor the TNT broadcast team thus far. And not that he's beloved amongst tons of NHL fans, but it just seems like he's a guy that the broadcast teams keep around for some reason. And so, you know, it it was a little unclear what his future was looking like, but we do know that he has interviewed for GM positions over the years during his Mm -hmm. tenure as a broadcaster. And so it seems like this is a path that he had wanted to take. Now, the fact that somebody actually hired him (laughs) (laughs) is a little surprising and that, Ottawa, who seems to have been making really smart, calculated moves as of late that gave people some hope for the senators, this seems like a step backwards from the perspective of conventional wisdom in terms of a guy that would be leading player development and has been pointed out their GM is in the last year of his contract and could Pierre be waiting in the wings to take over it oh god point. oh no Rachel why did you put that out there listen but this I saw that yeah yeah oh god you say that and I'm like this is it this is the path this is the path to Pierre Maguire GM this is you figured it out <laughs> so yeah well it's not just my idea but 
you know, <laughs> it, it is out there and it, it is of concern for a couple of reasons. Number one, the rollout has been hilarious just because there's been some <laughs> misspeaking in terms of whether or not Pierre Maguire has the knowledge to take this job and, and do it well. And then mm-hmm. the other aspect of it is, of course, that Pierre Maguire is well known to kind of poo-poo analytics mm-hmm. and that... You know, they're trying to smooth that over by saying, oh, no, you know, it's not that I don't like analytics. It's just that I rely more heavily on direct scouting, that I find that to be the most impactful approach. So given that Ottawa had put together a pretty decent analytics team, I'm very curious to see how that aspect of it plays out. Me too, because that was my first thought upon seeing this was, oh, no, Ottawa, why did you like they really did seem to have such a good thing going they've got really interesting young players coming up on the rise they've got like like you said they've got a really nice analytics department this hire doesn't make a lot of sense to me from that perspective because like you said we know pierre does not like the analytics side of hockey he you know he is not a like he throws it under the bus at any chance he can get. Even if it's an, even if analytics aren't even related to at all what he's talking about, he will mention it and throw it under the bus. So we know that that's a big part of his the way he views the game of hockey. And according to the NHL.com press release, um, it says he's going to be working closely with Pierre Dorian, the Sens general manager, and team owner Eugene Melnick. Uh, and boy, that is a that is a recipe right there for some kind of disaster because we know Eugene Melnick and his. He always seems to show up in the news for one reason or another. It just, I don't know that the the brain trust up there and the senators. I don't, I don't know if I have a lot of faith in it now. I mean, I'm excited to see what their team brings because I really do think that they're kind of they could potentially be on an upswing soon. But man, this this move doesn't inspire confidence to me. No, it does not at all, and I worry a little bit about how they're going to approach the draft now. Mm-hmm. because of his role specifically in player development. So obviously it's kind of late to the game in terms of the scouting and the research that has been done for him to have a huge impact, but who knows what that could look like. But then also moving forward in terms of, you know, taking advantage of their draft picks because, you know, Ottawa has a multiple picks here and mm-hmm. how is their development going to look with him in charge? Yeah. It is. It, it really is something now to keep an eye on. Um, I'm not expecting them to go out and make crazy moves, but I could definitely see his hands being on specific, you know, acquisitions they make and like development of like young players within the draft. Like it, it's going to be very interesting to see what Ottawa does uh, at the draft. But we're going to move on from here because as we're doing this podcast on Monday before it goes out on Tuesday, seems like the Oilers are about to make a trade. Uh, seems like Duncan Keith from Chicago will be headed to the Oilers. Uh, this is from Frank Saravalli. Um, so this is where I'm getting this one from. It's, he's headed to the Oilers in exchange for defensive defenseman Caleb Jones and a mid-round pick, either third or fourth round. Uh, it seems like the details are still being ironed out. So if by the time you hear this podcast, the return is a little bit different. But, oh man, I mean... Uh, Andrew and I hadn't discussed this on the podcast, but this had been going on for some time, uh, but the Oilers had been courting Duncan, Duncan Keith. Um, so it's an interesting move. Uh, I don't know if I agree with it, much like the Ottawa thing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with this one. I'm not really sure what Edmonton is doing here. I feel bad for Connor McDavid because I don't know if this is the type of move that the Oilers need to make. But um, I've heard on other podcasts and um, Rachel Dory, uh, her podcast, we've had her on before. Uh, she didn't seem as down on this move as others. Um, so I'm I was a little bit surprised because uh, I know that analytics are a big thing for that. But um, we'll see how this move works out. I'm I'm not impressed at the outset. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but it is I don't know if this also inspires confidence in me with Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Chicago is trying to do Duncan Keith a solid here because he's been, you know, a loyal, really solid defenseman for them for many years. Obviously not in recent years as much, but really contributed to the success of that team over the course of the sort of dynasty years for sure. And, you know, he needs to move to the Edmonton area or closer to there for personal reasons. And so it's really nice. Yeah, it was the... 
It was the Pacific Northwest, yeah. uh, which was like a couple of teams. Edmonton, Seattle. Right. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. So there really wasn't a lot for him to go to. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that they were willing to take him um, and also give up what seems to be like more than he's worth at this point is very mm-hmm. weird to me. And I think the Oilers are very uh, just can't get out of their own way sometimes yes and this is just indicative of that will this have a huge impact like that probably not but it's just kind of symptomatic of what Edmonton tends to do is they have these superstars at their core but just can't put the right guys around them yeah and it it makes me frustrated on Connor McDavid's behalf because they Edmonton has it all right there like they they have the building block. They have the cornerstone piece. But they can't... They just seem to... Like you said, they get in their own way. They can't... Like, they just can't make the right move to save their life. And it it is a bit frustrating because I don't think this is the move that they needed to make. I mean, Duncan Keith is 37 years old. He's at the end of his career. Um, it's like... I get wanting a veteran presence in the room that, you know... I get the, you know, want a cup been there done that brings the championship mentality and the intangibles i understand that but i don't think this was the move i hope that the oilers have more coming this off season because this can't be their big move they have to get more offense around Connor mcdavid they have to shore up i think a little bit more on their defense i don't know what their goaltending situation is like they there's i think there's still a lot like i hope there's still a lot to come from edmonton because i don't think that they can go into the the season next year with this just being the move no they can't and they need to do everything that they can in order to impress Connor mcdavid so that he doesn't request a trade yeah he doesn't pull a jack eichel because that kind of seems this could be the way this is headed and i know edmonton fans don't want to hear that but it is it it, it just feels like the like charlie brown in the football almost like they get there you know it's a new it's a new off season. Uh, they could make all these moves and then they like they they're like a bunch of pieces and players they could go get and then the management just goes takes it out from under them and gets somebody else (laughs) i don't know if that's a good metaphor but that's where i'm sticking with it today uh but coming up next after the break we're going to talk a little bit more about the flyers because i feel like i've neglected my roots a little bit here on this podcast with Andrew. So that's why I got Rachel here to talk about the Flyers because I think that they're going to be one of the most active teams this offseason. And I wanted to have somebody here to break it down before things um before things start to explode for them. So coming up next we're going to talk about Seth Jones. Is he going to be a Flyer this upcoming season? Find out. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device, mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. This episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, Andrew, Rachel, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Andrew and I will be hosting our own Green Room hopefully soon, and yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every week. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. Do you all have a chance to chat with me, Andrew? I might even be featured on the Crosscheck NHL podcast through our Green Room conversations. Go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, join the NHL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Mary C. Clark to be notified when our room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. See you there. Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. All right, Rachel. Now into the meat of what... uh of this podcast and what I wanted to talk to you about, uh, because when you had me on the show, we talked a lot about the Flyers upcoming off season, uh, because as you know, guys, I am, I'm a flyer. I was a Flyers fan. I am a Flyers fan. First and foremost. Um, I do obviously do lots of stuff outside of the Flyers and at the NHL at large mostly, but 
like I said, I feel like I've neglected my roots a little bit. So I wanted to, while Andrew was away, I wanted to control the reins. Ha ha. And, <laughs> yep. And talk about the flyers in a context that might not be negative. We'll see where this conversation goes. Perhaps. We'll try. But we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> we'll try. But um, the Flyers are looking to have a very big offseason this year. I think that, I mean, Andrew and I kind of neglected to talk about a lot of the free agent, like the free agent signings, trade rumors, etc. during the Stanley Cup playoffs because we only have so much time to talk to you guys. But today we're going to talk about Flyers and Seth Jones. And the Flyers and Seth Jones have been rumored to be around one another for some time. It feels like like since Seth Jones's name really got on the market, the Flyers have been right there um like sniffing around him. Um but it seems now in recent like recent days, it seems that it has fallen off a little bit. Um according to Elliot Friedman and his um and his blog, it's now his blog 31 thoughts. Is that going to be thirty-two that, thoughts coming up? Yeah, it will be. Th- it will be. Yep, it will be thirty-two thoughts. Hopefully, he doesn't have to change the name for some time. But as far as I'm aware, yes, I remember back in the day when it was thirty thoughts. But it will be thirty-two thoughts. Uh, but Seth Jones, it seems like the discussions are off for now because he won't commit to an extension, and the Flyers won't make a deal without one. So, Rachel, is this a blessing in disguise for the Flyers? Do you think? It could be. I, you know, I haven't been too ecstatic about the prospect of Seth Jones on the Flyers just because he's had kind of a downturn the last couple of years and just hasn't produced the numbers and his defensive skills aren't that great either. So, you know, kind of the upside to him hasn't been working for him the last couple of years and so really a change of scenery could do him some good maybe it was a tortorella thing there's so many different factors at play here that he could very well rebound but that being said i i don't think he's the best option out there that he for me would be a plan b or a plan c when we're looking for top pairing defensemen now this Duncan Keith deal that we just talked about could have an interesting effect on what happens with Seth Jones because Caleb Jones, we just talked about, is now on the Chicago Blackhawks and they now currently have a Duncan Keith-like opening on their defense. Mm. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Though I don't know if, if uh, I mean, Chicago to me seems to be in their rebuild uh semi-rebuild uh section i know they still have you know like taves and kane and stuff like that but it really seems to me that their you know competing days are done i don't know if seth jones would want to go to a team like that but uh, i'm not sure but you make a good point in that he's if it was me it would probably be the flyers second third fourth choice um because you're right um he's been steadily declining over the last few years he's a below below average defender not really great at even strength his only major upside is the power play but that's not really enough to sell me on him in my opinion um for me the big thing is i mean he made his like really his name really during that uh blue jackets five overtime game against tampa a couple years back where he logged 65 minutes um that was like not his like not necessarily his coming out party to to be exact but um that's when a lot of people really started to you know look at this guy and be like this is the this is the defender we love uh type of thing but the analytics don't really show that um in fact he has as i said declined um but for me the flyers need somebody on the top pair and he does not seem to be that guy to me like um i i don't know if like he is up for like the responsibilities that the Flyers need to have on defense. I mean, we've talked about it that Ivan Provorov needs somebody there. It's really funny how Matt Niskanen, of all players, was the guy, the linchpin for this Flyers team. I still keep thinking about it. <laughs> it's really funny to me how he was the guy <laughs> that they couldn't afford to lose and then he retired. Please come back, Matt Niskanen. I miss you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really don't, I mean... I think this is a like I said a blessing in disguise for the Flyers that he he doesn't want an extension but the Flyers want one. They seem to be at an impasse right now. Like I said, we're recording this on Monday so things could change between the time we record this and the time you guys hear this, but I 
I think that there are bigger fish that the Flyers can land. Uh, but I don't think that they they need to get a defenseman this offseason. Um, it will be a waste of an offseason if they don't get one. Maybe two. Like, I know people are talking about, you know, adding another one. That's also very possible. But if this, if this deal sours, who should the Flyers turn to? I mean, Dougie Hamilton is the big name uh, that Flyers fans, a lot of Flyers Twitter really, really wants. Um, and I can see why. I, I'm just not sure if that's a type of player that the Flyers are looking at right now. But I also wrote down Alec Martinez and Ryan Ellis. Uh, as two players so I don't know Rachel if you have any insights as to if they were have been players you've been talking about um, or you just have any more insight on that yeah I mean Hamilton is obviously number one on the list now it's problematic just because he's a free agent and so the Flyers would have to clear cap space to make it work or come up with a sign and trade agreement with Carolina so that the Flyers could send pieces and clear the cap space that way in order to have him fit. And his cap hit up to this point was uh, 5.75 per year. And he has mm-hmm. earned a raise on that. So I think the lowest you're going to get him for is seven. And Ooh, yeah, it's a steep price. Yeah. And probably yeah. he's going to warrant a seven year deal as well. Mm-hmm. So again, the Flyers would have to either have a deal in place with Seattle to take one of their two forwards that have high cap hits in JVR or Jake Voracek, which we will be talking about, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or again, like I said, work out a sign and trade deal so that Carolina would be taking the cap hit away from the Flyers. So I don't think it's a very likely scenario, but to me, it's the most ideal because I think he fits the best in terms of the mm-hmm. kind of defenseman he is, in terms of complimenting Ivan Provorov, and also the impact that he could have on the team overall. Yeah, and I know he's uh, he's kind of like the golden boy of uh, Flyers Twitter, it seems. I, I know a lot of the people on Broad Street Hockey Radio have been championing for Ducky Hamilton to come to come to Philly. Um, I don't know if I like I, I I would love it. I really think it would be a great fit. But I don't like I said, I don't know if that's the direction this organization wants to go in. Uh, but there are intriguing options out there. I do think, though, that they have to get a defenseman. It will be uh, a disappointment of an offseason if they like if they try and go out and hit home runs with like Dougie Hamilton or like try and trade for somebody else on another team and they fail. It happens. I mean, it's not the best case scenario, but it happens. And then, you know, if worst, if, you know, we get to the final, you know, worst case scenario, they get Jones and it, it, it is what it is, but they need to add somebody, Rachel. I really don't think you can go into this season without uh, trying to upgrade on defense. I don't know. I don't think Jones would be an upgrade, but I think that that would be, he would be their last resort for them if that, if it was me running the team. Yeah, I I think so, too. And, you know, there are a few other options out there in the free agency market. Adam Larson is a name that's come up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that he's a top pairing defenseman. Okay, I know he's not a top pairing defenseman, (laughs) but I I feel as though they're going to make some other moves that could open up a second pairing defenseman slot or a third pairing defenseman slot that I think Adam Larson would be absolutely serviceable for and I think could be a solid addition to the Flyers decor there's also Tyson Berry out there who's an Mm -hmm. interesting option and you know he's obviously juiced his numbers a bit (laughs) by playing in Edmonton (laughs) this past season and so it's going to pay off for him in literal dollars but I think also he could probably fill that top pairing defenseman role in a pinch but is more like a a second pairing guy in the real world so I think kind of that's you know free agents that we've talked about now of course the Predators are a really interesting situation because they ostensibly look like they were going to be sellers at the trade deadline but then Mm -hmm. you know weren't Exactly. So we've obviously talked about Ryan Ellis a lot as a possibility because they are going to have some problems with the expansion draft and who they're going to protect. So maybe they want to make a trade so that they can get something in return 
ahead of that without just losing them to Seattle for nothing. But, you know, we will see how that goes. But I think that top pairing defenseman slot is absolutely the number one priority for the Flyers this offseason. Yeah, and it really does suck that Ivan Provov hasn't blossomed into that number one that Flyers fans all kind of thought he would. Um, I mean, uh, the year he was alongside Matt Niskanen, I still can't. I'm still. I every time I say his name, I I, I just I get sad because I can't believe that that was the I can't believe that was the linchpin for the Flyers. But um, it it hasn't like uh, Provorov hasn't turned out the way Flyers fans have wanted. Um, and I'm sure we're gonna get. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, some other players on the roster in a little bit. But um, in order to get a number one defenseman, you're going to have to give up something, whether it is, you know, cap space, draft picks, or another player. Uh, I think this would be a good time to talk about uh, who possibly could, if they have to trade for a defenseman, a number one, um, who could possibly go. And uh, for me, I've kind of, I've talked about this before, I think, maybe on your podcast, Rachel, that I think Konechny may be one of the pieces that the Flyers could could realistically move because I think that there is like a, he's he's got upside he hasn't really you know he hasn't had a he didn't have a good season uh, at the end of last year um, but I think that he has a high potential and I think that it would hurt for the Flyers to lose him but I think that they have a comparable in Morgan Frost in their um in their pipeline, as long as he stays healthy, that could fill a similar role. But I don't know if you have any thoughts, Rachel, on, I guess, who are the Flyers most likely to leave outside of the expansion draft? Because we're going to talk about that coming up. But outside of that, how, who do you think could possibly be, you know, on the trade board if the Flyers have to go move a defenseman and can't get one off a of free agency? Yeah, I think Konechny is absolutely somebody that they'd be willing to include in a deal for that top pairing defenseman, because like you said, I think there are other players in the system that can perhaps do what he does. Uh, maybe not as much fun as he is, but, <laughs> you know, we have some guys coming up that got their first taste of playing with the Flyers this past season toward the end of the year, like Carson Torinsky and Wade Allison and obviously Morgan Frost is kind of a question mark. So, you know, he could end up playing with the Flyers. Morgan Frost could be included in a deal. But I think Travis Konechny and then also potentially Phil Myers, if somebody needs a defenseman back in a, a deal, if we get that top pairing defenseman, you know, we do have Cam York waiting in the wings mm -hmm. to move up. And especially because Cam York is a power play specialist and is really good at quarterbacking the the power play and we have uh, Igor Zamula coming up as well who is also very good at that I think Phil Myers is while a very solid player has had a, a little bit of an up and down year this past year and I think is ultimately expendable mm -hmm. which hurts because I mean he was he was an undrafted guy and it really seemed like the Flyers picked a kind of a diamond in the rough like they got not that they got lucky but uh it seems that they you know found something i mean going back to all the way back to talking about tampa bay that's kind of how they built their team is you know finding these guys in the draft even getting a bunch of undrafted players and it really seems like you know myers could have been the guy and you're right i mean we're going to talk though about the expansion draft where i may or may not have myers on my protected list for the flyers but <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about that next because for me that's going to be where things start to get interesting because there's one name that the flyers have um that that has been talked about that might be unprotected and i'm kind of a little bit surprised just because i guess i wasn't i didn't think that they would go this way but i the the, I, the flyers flyers fans are going to have to deal with a little bit of heartbreak I think this offseason I mean I know they want they want to sell 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 but I think a lot of fan favorites are going to get moved um if you know Chuck Fletcher does his job as GM but we're going to talk about the expansion draft and what the Flyers might do coming up next this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket with your phone. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. 
Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box? So that they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So Rachel, we've got the expansion draft coming up really quickly. It's We're going to find out the protection list at the end of the week this week, and then the expansion draft is a week from Wednesday. So we are we're basically there. We're really, really close. Um, and I, I know Andrew and I are going to talk the expansion draft at large when he comes back, but I thought this would be a very good time since I have you on the podcast to talk about the Flyers because there really have been some interesting, there's been interesting movement with this team so far. Uh, going back to that um, Elliot Friedman report that I talked about uh, back in the Seth Jones segment, it seems as if the Flyers are going to leave Jake Voracek unprotected. And if Seattle doesn't take him, Chuck Fletcher will look to trade him. So that is big news, I think, for the Flyers. And I mentioned that I was kind of surprised about it. I, I, I just feel like I am. I wasn't sure. I mean, we all talked about... Um, like in, at least in Flyers Twitter, it's been talked about that JVR would probably be um, Seattle's target from the Flyers. But Jake Voracek and his beefy contract he's making, he's got three years left at $8.25 million and he'll be a UFA in the 2024-2025 season. So he's he's got a hefty contract and it's a big reason why the Flyers are looking to move him is because they want... They want change and they want cap space to make those moves. So what are you thinking, Rachel, about this possibility that Voracek has left off the Flyers protected list? Yeah, I think there are two interesting things going on here. Because first, you're right that James Van Riemsdyk seems to be the more logical of the forwards with big cap hits that they would try to entice Seattle to take. For a couple of reasons. Number one, the cap hit is slightly lower at $7 million versus Voracek's 8.25. <laughs> and his contract expires a year sooner. So that could be more appealing to Seattle. So it seems like it would be easier to make that push and you wouldn't have to give up as much to incentivize Seattle to, to make that pick. But Jake Voracek has been more consistent offensively than JVR has been. JVR is a streaky player, even though his numbers are good overall. I think Voracek is a little bit more consistent and I think is a better all-around player than JVR is. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're thinking that they could get more in return for him in a trade and that, you know, it just would make more sense in terms of what they could get as opposed to with JVR. So uh, there is that factor. And I do like what's coming out of the Flyers on this front because it really shows that Fletcher is prepared because it seems like he has a plan A, which is to get him taken in the expansion draft, a plan B, try to trade him, and a plan C, which is we would love to have him back too. We still really like him and we'll figure it out if we can't trade him. So Mm -hmm. that says a lot. Now, the other big factor is that uh, at the trade deadline, the Flyers re-signed Scott Lawton to a five-year deal uh, at a 2.3 million cap hit. And at that time, they said that they were going to protect him in the expansion draft, which I think was a little bit of a surprise because we all thought that they were going to protect Voracek in that spot. But because they committed to protecting Lawton, and I think that they wanted to protect Nolan Patrick because they wanted to be able to get some return on him, that just left no other option but to leave Voracek and JVR unprotected. Mm-hmm. No, you make, a, you make a good point. And uh, talking about Jake Voracek's stats, uh, I pulled them up here. So uh, this past season, he had 43 points in 53 games, nine goals, 34 assists. Uh, previous year in the pandemic shortened season, 56 points, 69 games, uh, 
year before that, 66 points, 78 games. But since he joined the Flyers um, in the 2011-2012 season, he has had one, two, three, four, five, six, 20 goal seasons. Um, obviously, he's getting older. He's now 31. Um, but I think that, it for me, he's movable, but that cap hit is wild to me. Um, especially because he's got, I think, like three years left on the deal. Um, so that's a big possibility that he could get moved. I guess I'm just a little bit surprised because of all the players that have been talking, that have been talked about. Voracek is kind of the one that, like, I didn't think was possible to move. But there, there is a possibility here that, like, Seattle could take him. I still think that... Um, if things line up the way they do, JVR would make the most sense because, as you said, the contract, uh, like, it expires sooner and it's a bit less. But Seattle does have to hit the um, the cap floor, at least. And from what everything that we've seen, it seems that they are taking a bit of a different track than Vegas is. Seattle seems to be going more for the long haul than um, Vegas is, you know, trying to compete right away type of thing. Uh, so it's very possible that they could take a Voracek if they're, you know, looking to add on in terms of, like, their cap, which would help the Flyers out a lot. So I don't know if that's going to happen because, as we know, things don't always break well for the Flyers, <laughs> uh, as you are as you are well aware, Rachel. But uh, I think it is a really neat thing to come out now. And it is nice that Fletcher has multiple avenues here. If Seattle doesn't take them, they're going to look for a trade. If there's no trade, they'll keep them. But... I don't know if Voracek is going to be on the Flyers next year. Right now, given what it seems like, I'm leaning no because of the way like this news has broken and things have been talked about that they really want to you know get out from under his contract. Um, but I'm willing to be surprised. I think that the Flyers could move away from somebody like Voracek for even though as long as he's been on the Flyers. I've talked about it before. This team needs a shakeup. And what is, what is a shakeup other than, you know, moving on from a player that's been here for about 10 years or so now. Um, but talking about more of the expansion draft, I mocked up my own uh, protection list, uh, thanks to Cat Friendly's really cool um, Seattle um, expansion draft simulator type thing. So I definitely recommend everybody go play around with that because it's really cool. Uh, so for me, I had Drew and Hayes, um, which are, uh, they had to be because of their no move, no trade clauses. Then I had Konechny, Couturier, Lindblom, Lawton, Patrick as the forwards, Provar Myers Sandheim as the defense, and Hart as my goalie, which would leave Voracek, JVR, and Shane Gostasbear exposed. Uh, I don't know if this is the list they're going to pick. That was just my personal preferences. Um, I don't know if you have one off the cuff, Rachel, that you'd be willing to share here, but I just kind of did this as an exercise for myself just to get ready for the expansion draft. But if you have any, you know, hot and spicy takes, let them out now. Yeah, I think that's my list too. I think that that makes the most sense based on the strategy they seem to be taking in this off season thus far. I think, you know, for Seattle's side of things, they absolutely, to your point about the cap floor, are going to take a couple of big salaries, I think. And it's just a matter of which big salaries they want to take on across the league and how much can they get in order to take those bigger salary players, right? So I mm -hmm. think it's just it's going to be an interesting game that Chuck Fletcher is going to have to play on that front. But yeah, and I, like I said, with the announcement around Scott Lawton, that did change what I thought their protection list was going to be. But I think given where they are right now, what you said makes absolute sense. I think that, you know, it is possible that Seattle would take Shane Gostas Bear if they want to take mm -hmm. a slightly overpriced defenseman <laughs> in order to spend a little bit of extra money. It's not a ton, but a little bit of extra mm -hmm. money in his case for, you know, somebody who had a bit of a resurgence toward the latter half of this season. I think that's an option. I think if they want to take a low priced forward, I think Nick Abe Kubel will be sitting right there mm -hmm. for them if they want a cheap fourth liner that can contribute and is pretty tenacious. He's a great option for them if they decide the Flyers aren't the big spend for them. So I, I and I don't 
hate any of those options. I think they're all reasonable options. You know, as much as I love Shane Gostas Bear personally, I think it could be good for him. I think it could be good for Seattle and it, and it makes sense. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty calm about this expansion draft, actually. <laughs> Much yeah. less calm than I was about Vegas, that's for sure. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the difference between um, that Flyers team and what they had been building at that time compared to this Flyers team, which clearly needs a shakeup. Um, it is unfortunate that the Flyers will have to lose somebody for nothing, but they can make deals with Seattle to, you know, specifically get Seattle to pick a certain player and keep, uh, like, and let the Flyers keep a specific one. I mean, we saw that happen with Vegas uh, when they had their expansion draft, but, um, I mean, I had uh, Nolan Patrick protected because I think that they're still going to ride with him, but I think that they're going to want to try. If they're going to move away from him, they're going to try and trade for him and not give up nothing, like get nothing back in return just to give him up. Um, But if I know we're still like a week out and stuff like that, and we'll find out the protected list at the end of the week. But if I had to take a guess, I would say JVR is the one that's picked. I mean, there's a reason why he was the front runner for the last couple of months for the Flyers. Um, but I could see a world where Ghost gets taken too because he only has two years left on that deal. I mean, four point five million is is a lot of money for um, the player he is right now, but uh, he only has a couple years left on his deal. So I, that's also a possible take there if I was Seattle. But I am intrigued. I mean, we didn't mention it. I didn't mention it with you, but I mean, we've got uh, Dave Haxtell is back on back behind the bench with Seattle and. That that's going to be a really interesting wrinkle because I'm not sure how much say he's going to have. I I have no idea how much say he's going to have in Seattle's picks, and I think it will be telling as to who Seattle takes from the Flyers <laughs> this year with him behind the bench. Well, especially how it ended with the Flyers. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of relationships he had with some of those guys that you know in a new environment. Maybe it would be a, a you know a clean slate, but. Yeah, it just did not go well toward the end of Hextall's tenure with the Flyers. And so, you know, I think just from my personal perspective, I feel bad for somebody going to have to play for him again. But (laughs) maybe he's grown and learned since then. Yeah, maybe he has. But it's very possible. It really is. And I... It's so funny to me still that Seattle, my second favorite team, was decided before this. Once they picked their name, it was it for me. They, they had the audacity to pick Dave Haxtell as their head coach. They did this despite me personally, Rachel, I'm sure of it. Yeah, it was a, it was definitely a moment for Flyers fandom when that was announced. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and we just know. We just know that Seattle's going to win before the Flyers do with Dave Haxtell as their head coach. We know how that's how this works. We've, we've been here long enough to know. Uh, but I think that's all we have in terms of the hockey for you today. So coming up next, we're going to do our pop culture roulette segment that we do every week. But I think I'm going to, you know, take it back a little bit because uh, we're not going to have to talk about Loki this week as Andrew's not here. I don't know if you watch Marvel shows. I uh, do. Rachel. I absolutely All right. Do. Well, maybe we can talk about that a little bit while we're while I have you here. But I want to get I want to pick your brain on some things that uh, are a mutual interest of ours coming up right after the break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? If you don't know the Built Bar flavor as well, you're missing out, as you've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Built Bar, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Built Bar is great for any health-conscious person, as you could lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie, or whatever you'd like. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Rachel, this is our last segment of the day. And it is our pop culture roulette, where usually Andrew and I talk about the pop culture that has intrigued us since we have last spoke. 
But Rachel, I want to talk to you about a mutual interest of ours. One of the first things I knew about you uh, when I started following you is you're a Doctor Who fan. I don't know how much of that has changed in the recent years, but oh, that's kind of like how... <laughs> yeah, that'll never change. I will always be okay. a Whovian. <laughs> yeah, good, because uh, that's kind of how like uh, we're both hockey fans and we're both Doctor Who fans. Uh, so I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, how you got your start in Doctor Who and, you know, I guess who your favorite Doctor is. I never really got to question you on these things, but now I have a format to do so. So I guess I'll do it now. Oh, man, I've been watching Doctor Who since it was on PBS back in the day. So my first Doctor I watched, I believe, was Peter Davison. Well, it was Tom Baker. The first episode I ever saw was when Tom Baker uh, regenerated into Peter Davison in the episode Legopolis. So that was a very weird way to start my Doctor Who fandom. <laughs> but I was... Yeah, I can imagine. It was very intriguing to me. Oh, this guy changed forms into somebody else and then goes on adventures in space and time. And so I absolutely love Doctor Who from the get-go. And so I watched what is now classic Who back in the day. And, you know, I love Sylvester McCoy and uh, and then when the show uh, came back in 2005, under the direction of Russell T. Davis, I was so happy. And to this day, Christopher Eccleston is my favorite modern doctor, for sure. Yeah, I can I can absolutely see that. I um I started as a New Who fan uh, because I got into the series much much later. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college around 2011 uh, when when I got into it. Uh, so I'm more of a baby Doctor Who fan, but I really do still enjoy it. Um, it is really fun to, you know, talk to people about it because um, I listen to a bunch of podcasts about it, which are uh, some of your friends, too. Uh, so it's it, we kind of have like not run in similar circles, but I've listened to their podcasts and I guess got introduced to you through them or I don't know. It's just because I know some of them are also hockey fans. Yes. Uh, like Deb and Erica and they're really cool and they had their own podcast and it's just been, you know, it. it's really funny how like hockey and Doctor Who had like a really interesting little like Venn diagram circle uh, that I kind of fell into a little bit just by listening to these podcasts, but I feel like if I had to pick a favorite doctor, it's probably Peter Capaldi. I really loved his run on the show. I know it's kind of controversial to some people. But Clara's my favorite companion. I don't know if you liked her or not. I, I can't remember, but... I do. I, I controversially like her better with Matt Smith than I do with mm, Peter that Capaldi. Is, I was going to say, that is a controversial yes. opinion. Um, And I love Peter Capaldi as the doctor. I think his performance is extraordinary. I do not very much like those particular years of the show. I just the writing didn't do it for me as much. And so I I wish he had been in some better stories overall, or at least that were more compelling to me personally, just because Mm. I think for for me, he was wasted a little bit Mm. in some of the stories that were told and how the Clara arc went. But I know that that's an unpopular opinion, and I, I am willing to accept <laughs> I think, that. I think the Doctor Who fandom is filled with unpopular opinions, because you do get a r- wide range of people with different opinions. I mean, my, like, as I said, my favorite companion is Clara. That's, like, a very unpopular opinion for some people. Um, but, you know, she was, I guess, the first companion I saw, like, as the show was ongoing, because I caught up when her season was airing. So she was, I guess, like, my version of, like, my first doctor was like my uh, first companion that I was watching. So I kind of like fell in love with her character and I still really love her. And, you know, sometimes I'll get like uh, random like feels out of nowhere just thinking about it. I'm like, man, those were the days. I still do enjoy Doctor Who now. Um, I, I guess my not my fandom's fallen off, but it's like I'm taking it a little bit less seriously than I did uh, with Jodie Whittaker. I do really like her doctor, though. She's incredible. Uh, I I have the same problem you do. I wish that her writing was a little bit better for her um, in her seasons. But I do very much enjoy her performance. And I'm looking forward to the next season uh, very much whenever that comes out. Uh, but I've, I guess, scaled back on my Doctor Who fandom because that was kind of my, my big thing in college. And once I graduated, I've got other things going on now. But I always have time for Doctor Who. It's one of, like, my favorite things. It's just like a comfort watch for me now. It really is. It's just, you know, it's it's just fun to sit down and just chill, watch some alien adventures and nonsense. And uh, you had mentioned um, 
off the like uh before we went to the last break that you're a big marvel fan so do you do you watch loki because that to me reminds me a little bit of some doctor who adventuring yeah i have been watching loki i've watched all three of the marvel series thus far with wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier I am not a comic book reader, but I watch a lot of the comic book movie and television adaptations. So I'm definitely more of a Marvel than a DC, although Superman is my favorite superhero of all time. Oh, nice. I, I yeah. didn't know that. That's really interesting. I I I don't know if I would have thought you to be a Superman person, but that's really cool. I, uh, why? Just any any particular reason? Uh, I think, honestly, it's a very, very weird reason, but I fell in love with the Christopher Reeve Superman movies and the director who unfortunately just passed away, Richard Donner, who directed the first Superman and then mostly directed the second Superman, but was fired (laughs) from the project. And there's a Richard Donner version of it, which I like. Richard Donner happens to be my father's name. And so I got attached to it for that reason, but then also just fell in love again with Christopher Reeve's portrayal of the character. And, you know, I just kind of appreciated the allegory of the immigrant story of the character Mm -hmm. and I just found it absolutely endearing and goofy about how there's just like a glasses and a curl of hair to transform him (laughs) and that everybody just kind of couldn't figure it out and I just I Mm -hmm. find that charming and uh, yeah I just like some of the Superman stories and you know what does family mean and what does your background and your history mean and I just felt a a connection to that so I just I really love Superman but the rest of DC is not as uh, interesting to me than than the Marvel universe has been and I think Marvel has done a much better job than DC in the movies while the Arrowverse so to speak and the DC side Mm -hmm. has been pretty solid on on TV over the years. Yeah, I used to watch that. Um, it just, it got really hard because there were so many there was of too them. Much. There and was too much. There was too much. There was too much. So I ended up stopped watching them. I stopped watching them completely. But I really think Marvel has something going here with, you know, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now Loki. Um, and I'm really excited for the season finale of Loki on Wednesday. Um, I think that's going to be something special for sure. Um, and that'll probably be the one that gets a second season. Andrew and I have talked about how they really seem to be like a second season, like they're maybe getting ready to green light one soon. Like it's kind of been possibly in the works. Uh, so I could really see something like that happening. But I've really enjoyed the Marvel shows so far. I think WandaVision is probably just my favorite just based on the uniqueness of the concept with, you know, the TV stuff and, you know, like the performances too. And Catherine Hahn, I really love her now. Uh, so just like, it, it, I really loved that show a lot. But Loki really, uh, it caught my attention because I wasn't really a big Loki fan before the show. And now I really enjoy his character. I don't know if you feel the same way, Rachel, but Loki was never like, I guess, on my radar of characters I enjoyed from the Marvelverse. But this really turned me around, I think. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it because... I feel the same that Loki was never one of my favorite characters. And I think he works really well as a foil and as a villain. But when you put him front and center, is it too much of him? Right. And now there's <laughs> oh, like yeah. 87 v- versions of him on the show. Spoiler alert, I guess. But um, <laughs> that while I still don't really love the character Loki and, you know, I've I've mostly liked the series so far and I think from a you know a writing perspective and making it a series like you said as opposed to just a mini series but a full-on series that could have multiple seasons I think they're doing a really good job but I agree I think WandaVision just because it was so different conceptually and it it kind of blew me out of the water with how creative it was and you know Wanda and Vision were characters that I cared even less about than I did Loki and now I love them (laughs) yeah so yeah I I think that one is my favorite so far yeah I feel like I would have to say the same but I am willing to be surprised on Wednesday uh we can maybe talk about it a little bit when we have you back because Andrew will not be back from vacation so you are here with me for the next show we will have and we're gonna have uh, the Athletics' own and Broad Street Hockey's own Charlie O'Connor on. Uh, good friends, friends, like Twitter friends of mine. Uh, we worked together at The Athletic back in the day. And he's also a big Final Fantasy fan. So I'm going to grill him on 
audio where everyone can hear about his Final Fantasy takes because when I learned that when working with him at The Athletic, I was stunned. So I'm really excited to get to talk to him. Rachel, I don't know if you have a, a video game background at all, uh, but I, I may take the reins in that uh, interview to grill Charlie a little bit on his um, on his uh, Final Fantasy takes. Well, I want to talk to him about some of his music takes because he yeah, that's talks about true. bands I've never heard of and that always intrigues me. Yes, I'm very excited to have him on because a lot of people know him just as, you know, Flyers guy, really awesome writer and really nice person. But his uh, his Twitter in the offseason gets taken over with music stuff, so that'll be really fun. But I'm very excited to grill him on his Final Fantasy takes. But I think that is all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. We'll be back on Thursday with some more puck talk and an interview with Charlie O'Connor. See you next time. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.